Hi again, everybody. This is the Big Idea, Big Moves podcast. This is the destination for high performers. We talk to people from different niches, different backgrounds, and different experiences to find out what their high performance techniques are, some of their backstory so that we can apply those to ours where it makes sense. Um, and also, these people have made big moves in their niche, whatever that happens to be, and, and just kind of work through some of the things that would be of importance to any of the people here. We talk to really cool people from um, athletes to business people to um, CEOs. Um, and today we have a really cool treat. We're going to talk to uh, a rocket scientist, which is, is neat in itself. So we'll, we'll talk about that in just a couple of minutes. Um, one thing that um, we do have to um, kind of talk to at the front end is that um, a lot of organizations are getting ready to do some hiring right now because um, things are starting to open up a little bit. If you're a small or mid-sized business, um, as you know, if you've listened to the podcast a few times that we have a relationship with Jazz HR, um, and they're an applicant tracking system that um, it can help you manage that process and it does everything where um, it will send out to all the job platforms your role and help you keep track of that internally so if it's something that you're interested in just go to our um, website which is www.bigideabigmoves.com and there's a link on there take a look at it see if it makes sense for you and uh, the folks at Jazzar HR will kind of help work through that with you the other one is Epitome HR is doing the other side of things where um, they often do work with um, organizations about how to get the best talent so they're actually helping people with some career um, coaching right now. So they have a couple of packages on there to help you get your LinkedIn profiles ready, looked at your resume, and then also help you kind of see what um, applicant tracking systems do on the other side so that you can make sure you get your best shot at being able to put your best foot forward in, in a new role. So, um, so take advantage of that. Again, same website, www.bigideabigmoves.com, and, uh, and they'll be able to help you. Um, so this, uh, this is really kind of interesting for me because, um, uh, Bianca Chaffalo is a uh, systems thermal product manager uh, at Airbus Defense and Space, working on thermal management solutions for next generation um, telecommunication spacecraft. She's uh, a graduate in aerospace and aeronautics engineering. Um, she's driven space technology innovation and contributed to the delivery of commercial space missions and uh, things such as the InSight's um, Mars mission, which is really cool. Hopefully we can talk about that a little bit today. She's a STEM consultant, she's a space advocate, a youth mentor and an international speaker. She's done a lot of things. You'll, you'll be seeing her around all the time now, and we're lucky to have her to, today. And, and people usually say, um, you know, it's not rocket science when they're trying to make something that seems simple um, and maybe relatable. And I think today what, what you'll find is, uh, I think Bianca's great at making it something that is pretty complex, but making it very relatable. So, um, so thanks very much for joining us today, Bianca. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Jamie, for the, first of all, for the invitation and then the introduction. That was, that was really cool. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so it's um, pretty much, it sums up when you, your, your last statement about it's not rocket science. So we are used to look at rocket science as something that is, first of all, very far away from us, very unapproachable. Yeah. Even, so I'll give you this example. Anytime someone is asking me, so what? do you do and I go I'm a rocket scientist they are like you're joking <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah they would automatically think that right yeah yeah like they, they, they're joking and I'm like why would I be joking and they would go on like you don't look like a rocket scientist you have never you know look at a woman looking like you and thinking oh she's doing some rocket science stuff so 
from from this point, uh, I've actually realized probably later in in the later stage of my career as well that it's so very important to give visibility not only to the projects that I work on, which are extremely close to our own reality. So if you think about telecommunication satellites, this is something that we couldn't live without. Otherwise, we wouldn't have internet. First yeah. of all, and the second, it's so very much important to give visibility to women and i'm not only even talking about women to different personalities and characters that are not really stereotyped as the scientist or the engineer or you know all these kind of characters that you will look at them and think oh they're probably working into fashion or in music or production or whatever because that's a very very old-fashioned stereotype they would think that you need to look like some kind of Einstein that you've seen in yeah. your history books yeah. and then only if you look like that and if you have that kind of style a lifestyle that is so ingrained into our own beliefs then you can actually be successful into some kind of scientific or STEM environment and they couldn't be more wrong so this is where you know I realized that my passion for engineering was going beyond my my job my daily job it's yeah. become more of a mission not only for the, the, the instruments and for the technology that I'm providing together with other teams but as a as a really to, to smash the stereotype or to let's say to challenge the status quo yeah yeah well and, and I think that's really interesting that you've said that because um, I think and and I think of most people growing up um, had that kind of stereotype in their head around and and I, I wonder how many people you know self-selected themselves out of even having that possibility early on and I know that's something that you're kind of fighting to change but um, maybe before we get into that how did like for you because you did take that career path and now you're trying to help change that but how did you get where you are now knowing that that is that there was it's a pretty or has been a pretty kind of traditional environment to get into as well yeah so um, my path is I love talking about the story which I managed to own again you know where I was way more self-confident yeah. because everyone can think first of all that becoming a scientist or getting into high education such as aerospace engineering is for someone who belongs to an elitist group because it's expensive because it's niche because it's very very peculiar uh, I didn't come I'm not coming I wasn't coming from a privileged background so none of my, no one in my family was an engineer. No one even had high education at all. So coming from a small town in the south of Italy and then having worked across the world in Germany and the UK and so forth. So it is a pretty powerful story to tell that if I made it happen, everyone can make it happen. So how I started with my passion was really looking at what my dad would do. He, wasn't, he was a mechanic. So I would spend my time in the garage with him, playing with the spare parts and all sorts of things. And this is where my passion started. So at the, I was probably seven years old and I had no idea, no one had any idea about engineering and, and stuff. But um, what I really liked was seeing how my dad was passionate about this job and 
I first of all thought I really like what he does and I really like the passion and how he's happy doing this. And I was first of all, I want to get into a job that will make me will make me look happy as much yeah. as he is every day. So that was the first <laughs> and that's the second the second one was I'm definitely not going to work into a garage all my life. But yeah. what can I do <laughs> to work on technology? That combines the two. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, this kind of evolution from what my dad was doing, that also for his, his background and his family, couldn't go into higher education. So he was very honest about it. And he said, I couldn't access for financial reason or any other reason, this kind of resources. And I want you to get on and do whatever you want, even if it is aerospace engineering. And that was the statement. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so... It's uh, interesting it was, that it's your dad that, that kind of really triggered that for you that's fantastic yes exactly and that was probably something that uh, also as a, as a family as a whole we've always been very unconventional and having had uh, a childhood where again i wasn't privileged i really struggled financially during my education because uh, my family business went became dramatically so i had to start working i was working in the afternoon going to classes in the morning borrowing books studying at night so that was pretty harsh <laughs> but uh, um at the same time the push that i had from my family because they couldn't get through that education and seeing me especially my dad seeing my, being the first child because i have a younger brother the first child a woman he never saw me as you know in the category of a woman so you must get married and you must you know be the woman at home it's never it never showed me like that he saw me since the very beginning as an equal you can do whatever you want so if you like playing around with cars then you should do it on the racetrack so this is how i started and watching formula one during the sunday lunch and then getting into more documentary about aerodynamics and all the, the really into the technical i was very curious i was very nerd when i was a child I'm still, still am. I, I realized okay this is really what i would like to do in the future but then what do i need to do as as an education what do i need to study to get there so very simple search google is our friend i went to on to the um, federico secondo the university that is in naples which is actually one of the best for aerospace engineering after all and uh, I, I went to check really the programs different things that i could possibly study so that i could become an expert in aerodynamics for instance and that was aerospace engineering so i said okay done I've decided, I was a teenager when I was at high school when I already knew that I wanted to become an aerospace engineer. Wow. And everyone looked at me like you were crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably were a little bit. <laughs> I still am. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good thing. So, so, yeah. No, I was just gonna say, so that like, in order to do that, I mean, to have all of those possibilities that maybe, you know, at this point, there's been nothing that really kind of pushed back on you to, to kind of do that. Um, did you find as you kind of went into that that course and, and all the, did things look different? Like because there you probably were in a minority even there in in being able to, you know, be a be a female that didn't fit that stereotype. Did you start seeing that even when you were in school? Yeah, so I started seeing that even before I got into aerospace engineering, because um, I've always been one of those bright students. I didn't have money, but I had the brains. <laughs> so <laughs> I was one of those that uh, I, I, 
I just pick up a topic and I could talk and elaborate about that topic. And it could be from mathematics to philosophy and the history. I loved studying. This is what I would do, the hard work and really spending nights studying something, even English. I'm not a native English speaker. I didn't learn English at school. I learned it from videos, you know, YouTube's MTV at the time when I was a child. <laughs> I learned it because I knew it was a tool that would allow me to open up my horizons and it, w it would be necessary for me in the future. So I loved studying. I loved being a bright child because I knew that I was lacking on other resources. So somehow I also had to prove that I was good at something. Really, as a child, I had this thing. I, ha I had to prove that I was good at something. And uh, this was really the drive that made me go throughout my early years at school, but also when I realized the big resistance that I found from the culture, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. the society around me. Because when I said I want to be an aerospace engineer, now coming from the background where financially you are not pretty much there. Yeah. Uh, you were not, uh, you were not into this club of engineers, doctors or whatever. You were a woman <laughs> coming from the south of Italy, small town. Why the heck will you want to be an aerospace engineer? For me, people would tell me, even neighbors, everyone, they would tell me you have no chance. There's no chance for you to become successful, to even go through the engineering career. Are you sure? Do you think it, don't you think it's too difficult for you? So I started getting all this feedback from any sorts of people, even the ones, especially the ones that they had never done anything in their life, but they felt like they needed to give me an opinion. <laughs> so, so how did you get through that? Like how did, I, I mean, if you consistently are getting that kind of negative, for, even if, if there's some that you can kind of push to the side, I mean, I'm sure there are people that you trusted their opinions that were also saying that too. So how did you get Absolutely. past that? Absolutely. Uh, for me, that was even more of a motivation because for me, it became like a provocation. So you were telling me I can't do these for this reason that you think are relevant for me to become a successful person in this field. I'm going to prove each and every one of you wrong. So that was my drive. <laughs> this is what I had to do it for myself, for my family as well, for all the psych everything they've sacrificed for me to become the person I am today. But now, looking back to the future, for all the other girls that have been told that, that have been pushed down by family, by friends, by neighbors, to t make them understand that you can prove everyone wrong. Because if it, that's your calling, whatever you want to do, you want to be an astronaut, you want to be a dancer, you want to be the next pop star. If anyone is telling you you can't do something, now it is your duty to do it and show them how to do. Yeah. Now, uh, for you then, when you, when you did get your, your first role, um, and you, uh, you know, I'm sure there have been times where, okay, you're put on a project and you kind of, maybe it was your first one or first couple, you go into a room, I'm sure in that room, it's, it's exactly that, where you're having to probably prove yourself maybe even a little more than everybody else because of those things we just talked about. Um, and that probably isn't the most diverse boardroom or project room that you, that you could be in. Um, how did you excel in that environment? Because, it, because you have excelled. How, did, how, did, how have you built that over time? Um, so I uh, can tell about two different experiences. So it, it's, you probably won't believe that my first experience wasn't as um, uh, 
was very diverse because since I, my very first project, I was 23 years old and I was still studying for my master's degrees when there was this opportunity in Germany. Uh, because I've always been a very annoying person, meaning I would ask anyone uh, if they had opportunities, if they knew, if they knew someone that needed an intern or you know someone that would work on that project, because I really wanted to get to move away from my country and experience something different, really work on a big project. So being the annoying person that I was and I still am, <laughs> I got my first role when I was still studying and I was in Berlin and it was for the NASA project, the Inside Mars mission. Yeah. So I was uh, hired as the aerothermal fluid dynamic analyst, the, the only European female to work on that project. And that freaked me out. I was extremely proud of myself. But at the same time, in two weeks, I packed up my bag, left my country, my family, everyone, moved to a country where I didn't know anyone. My first project was a NASA project and I had to learn the language and everything. So when I, when I got there, uh, I found an extremely supportive uh, community because all of them were all coming from my same uh, situation. They were all experts, let's say. There were people from India, Iran, Spain, Portugal, Poland, from everywhere. And it was very, very diverse and inclusive. There was actually 50-50 female and male. Wow, so great. yeah, yeah, Germany was great. It's absolutely great for that. And because it was a small company, a small consultancy company to, to which the German Space Agency had uh, outsourced this kind of project, this instrument. So it was really like a, a family for me. And if it, it, I still have my, my ex-colleagues now are my best friends. One of those was my partner at the time. Yeah. So it was, it, it's great. And even with the CEO and the CTO and now the co one of the co-founders has become uh, later in this year, he's, he's my best friend and at the time he even worked for me. So the dynamic was so great and it was, we were all coming from the same issues that we really supported each other. So it's true that I was freaking out. It was an amazing project and I had to prove my worth because I was still a student at the time. But having that diversity really helped me going through lots of different emotional breakdown, let's say. Also, you know, having the first experience, being away from everyone, staying there then for the next five years was, was so fantastic to have that kind of environment. But then when I moved to London, that was when I really realized I was the only woman in the boardroom. <laughs> <laughs> And that was quite of a, of a shock for me because I was the only under 30 in a boardroom of Airbus Defense and Space. And I was the, the only product manager female. And I said, wow, that's great. It means that, you know, I, you know my worth again, is, is it, my, my input is valuable. Uh, and I never really felt like a minority, to be honest. Uh, clearly, I was the only woman there. But again, um, I never felt like people were trying to pull me down because I was a woman and I was the youngest. If anything, it was the opposite. They've always been very extremely helpful and any questions I had, they would support me. So I must say that it is true for people that are probably not very, not ready to take on those responsibilities. It may look intimidating at the beginning, but then when you get there, when you get your, you know, your, your foot in the door, uh, you may be so surprised about how many supportive people you have around. 
And uh, this is the main thing that I really want to say. People, especially women, young women, tend to go for higher roles or more responsibilities when they feel 120% ready. That's not true because no one is ever 100% ready. And also you learn a lot on the job. We, we never know what to do. Every day we are facing different challenges, especially in terms of emotional roller coaster and soft skills and leadership and management and the co-worker here and there. But once you get there, because you will get there, even if you don't feel 100% ready, then you will find that many other people in that environment, even you know senior management, they still don't feel ready and yet they are there. So you can support each other, if anything. It, it, you say that, and, and yesterday I had a conversation, a similar conversation with a CEO, and and he said the same thing that you know people have to realize that just because you get the role or just because you happen to be that kind of top leader, um, everybody has that same feeling when they go into it. Oh my gosh, what have I taken on? And also, you know, you don't know everything, and actually that's part of. You're part of your learning, but a part of being part of a good team is to be open to, I don't know everything and my team, you know, has to fill in those gaps. And, and in that type of team, and actually that, that would be interesting to hear your thoughts. Um, when you have a team in that environment, it's probably even more so um, important to be um, open to challenging each other. Um, but also not taking that personally. Um, is, is that true in that environment? And, and how, do you, how do you do that? How do you take the emotion out of it when it's maybe something where it's your specialty too? Yeah, it's, this is personal. It's, it's absolutely true. Uh, especially when you work with teams that are across countries and they have different functions. And again, also generations are very different because yeah. they may be, when you work in a corporate environment, they are, first of all, customers coming from all over the world. So first of all, you need to understand to tune in into their way of communicating because a customer that is coming from uh, the Middle East, for example, would have an approach which is completely different from a customer coming from Europe. So that's the main thing. You have to be very, very open and and tolerant about way of approaching people in a different way. And this happens also in the team that you have. Um, I, I work with teams where you can have the, the undergraduates and then you can have the person that has been there for the past 40 years and has probably, you know, the age of your dad. So you have to be able to communicate effectively and also honestly with all of them. So my key to this is that I love honest communication. Like the all manipulative kind of stuff for management, they really don't work. So I prefer to show my uh, pain points, to show my vulnerability to them, so that they feel comfortable with me when something isn't working during a project. And so we have a team and we have to deliver it by that time with that cost and that budget. And we have to report it to the space agency. I want anyone that works in my team to feel comfortable to tell me I didn't make it uh, because of this. I didn't have the time, I, I was having a problem, there was an issue. I feel more comfortable if they tell me that rather than telling me not answering because they are intimidated or, you know, because in this way, if you tell them what is your vulnerable point, they feel comfortable and also you can find a solution together. If I don't know what's going on in their mind or why they are not able to deliver, uh, I will never know how to help them. 
and the other way around, because clearly you can also be helped by many other people in your team. It's not because you are a leader that you don't need help from other from the other people. If anything, this is empowering each other to meet the common goal. Right. And so you have that team. It sounded like you really had that team when you were doing the the Mars piece. Um, how did that how did that feel for you because that's that's got to be a pretty cool thing like any, anybody who hears that you're involved in a project like that first of all probably thinks that's oh, wow that's really cool um, i'm sure being in it is even more cool but what um what what was that like when when you see it kind of come to fruition at the end as well um, so when I saw the landing uh, in November 2018, and uh, I wasn't in Berlin anymore, so I couldn't be with my team at the time. Yeah. I was in London. They were in Berlin. Some of them were in New York. I cried, yeah. literally. I cried the whole evening. I was there shaking, feeling like, oh my God, this happened. Also because there are those seven minutes before the landing, which are called the seven terror minutes where you don't know what's going to happen. It either goes well and it lands properly or it goes to this, you know, to, to complete disaster. And you never know. You've been working on that project for who knows how many years and then it can never land. And when it landed, I truly cried. I was like, okay, now even if my career stops tomorrow, I've seen it. It, it was there. Now it's on Mars. It's working. And I'm like, okay, you know, done. Check. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's the seven minute thing is is pretty like that's that's what you see in the movies. That's what you see in all of those things is that dramatic pause beforehand. But that must feel like for some people that's a life's work that is sitting in the balance for seven minutes and you don't know which way it's going to go. That's yeah, yeah, such a dramatic it's, point. <laughs> it is, it is, and yeah, I, I wish you know that everyone that has worked on such big projects can really feel those tears of joy because that's probably the best thing that. It's really like a baby coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you've poured all your life and passion and so many other people together. And then, yeah, it happens. So cool. it's, cool. it's in those moments when you think, you know, I've proved everyone wrong. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah, what a banner thing to show <laughs> to all those people that uh, told you you couldn't do it not too long ago. So um, with young girls then who are, who are thinking that they want to, maybe take a similar track. Um, you know, it, it, do you have, cause you're, I'm sure looked at as a mentor for them. Did you have somebody like that in, in your progression or have you had to kind of just take it from different people as you went along? Like, have you had a mentor that's, that, that you followed through your career so far? Um, I didn't really have one specific person, but uh, as I was saying, throughout my career and also having lived in three different countries in the span of seven years, I've taken uh, from many people, from my colleagues that were way more experienced than me. I will look up to them and I will learn really, even through their struggles on their advice, I will take on any experience that they were doing and I will try to to get the lear lesson learned from there. Uh, and also, I may be biased, but obviously the best mentor for me has been my mom throughout our life. So I've seen her growing up, two children becoming successful, both in business, in life, whatever. And she's gone through so many struggles and I've never seen her backing up 
ever. So that was for me a major drive uh, and it was just in my family. But even now, even today, the new people that I'm meeting, new business partners that I'm having, and now irrespective of female or male, I'm always learning something from them. And if I want to know something because I'm really struggling with, uh, with, with developing a new skill, for example, uh, or uh, I'm struggling with a problem with the team or a project, I would go and really ask them, how did you tackle this? So mentors could be anyone, could be even your best friends. You know, they, they could teach you anything that in that moment, they, they have so many different perspectives that they could look at your problems from a different way and they could tell you, well, actually, did you consider the other path? And then you think, Oh, wow, I've never thought about it that way, and they solve your problems. So yeah. this is how I've gathered all this yeah. this multiple inputs throughout well, my career. Even as you said, you know, Google is your friend. I mean, there are so many opportunities now that young people or or just generally people can look at where they can get access to some of those people, even just through seeing videos, seeing content, things like that, that you may not have had not too long ago and actually have mentors without ever meeting them, which is kind of cool too. Exactly, exactly. Even LinkedIn has as a as a platform or, you know, and now Instagram is becoming for the science communicator, as I do, is becoming a, an amazing platform where I get girls from everywhere in the world asking me, how should I get that internship? How should I get that job? Yeah. And you can be so approachable and actually tell them, you know, do this, do that, and yeah. let's see how it goes. It's that easy. Well, and, and what, an, in, what a cool way to be able to connect it because, um, you know, the one one thing that may be difficult is people to have that projection of really what do you do and how does it affect what is my everyday life and and you know even making the connection around Instagram and TikTok and all those things that are in you know they are all made possible because of some of the work that that um, you know people like you do yeah yeah it's true first of all they are possible because there are space engineers making this possible so this is the coolest thing I always say uh, and and people Always, they never think when going back to your first statement, it's not rocket science. So we are now having this conversation and let's think that one of us is taking a picture and posting it on a social like Instagram or whatever. That is rocket science because we are using rocket science to do that, first of all. And then the second thing is that because we have so many platforms available, the one cool thing that uh, it's very, very important is that these kind of professionals at every stage of their career, they are available. If you, uh, if you want to send them a message on LinkedIn, you may send a message to 10 people and you may get one reply. That one reply could be, you know, breakthrough in your life can give you the job that you were looking for or the advice that you needed for a project. So, always ask always reach out because out of the many messages that you send there could be that one person only that is really giving you what you needed at the time of your your life stage whatever that is so it's extremely extremely important never shy away from asking because yeah. you know not asking is just not not making yourself yeah not making yourself a favor you know just ask yeah, yeah. no harm into asking yeah I, I mean networking is is as important or more important than it ever was even though there's technology it's now instead it's just facilitated through technology and uh and, and gives you more opportunity and i want to i i looked back and i just wanted to make sure i got the quote right i think this is um your quote where it's um rocket scientists looking like our daughters will become the norm and i think that's i think that's awesome and and so so uh, you know what we ask usually for every guest is uh, is two or three things 
things that people can do kind of right away to, to move things forward. And, and we'll kind of bump off of that statement is that if, um, if you were, if we, we generally wanted to help young women, um, you know, see STEM roles or, or roles like yours as more of an option, are there a couple of things that you think, you know, we could go out and, and do and do right away, very actionable steps? Uh First of all, as you know, I started with the push and sponsorship of my parents. I think it's very, very important for parents and friends to realize what your closest ones want to do. And if you are a parent who tell your, you're telling your kids, no, you can't do that because you don't look like a rocket scientist, that's wrong. So we should stop these kind of things. Uh, that's the very first thing that we should stop as parents, as, as partners or whatever. If anyone has a dream, let's just not torn that dream apart before it's even started. Uh, another thing that we can possibly do, as I said, if uh, anyone, any, any young girl uh, wants to learn about pro projects or uh, careers into STEM, science, technology, engineering, uh, reaching out to a platform, as I was saying, it's extremely important. So just yeah. giving them the tool or one link to a YouTube channel that's is talking about women in engineering, just one video could really change their mindset. And it is extremely important to change the mindset, first of all, because again, stereotypes and all these kind of things. And another thing is just, the, the third one is very, very important, is to understand that as women and as men also, especially young girls, it doesn't mean that you will not have a social life because you are getting into that engineering. So if you are an attractive woman and they are telling you, you don't look like a rocket scientist, it doesn't matter. That's why rocket scientists looking at our daughters will become the norm because there will be a, a, a day in which you go on with your life, you are passionate about something, you are passionate about the work that you do, yet you can have friends, you can go out, you can have a beautiful traveling life and looking like a rocket scientist. So three main points, parents and friends being supportive being supportive and enabling them to have the tools to even see you know this this podcast is an amazing example they could learn from my story all the other ones and see actually you know i can do that and the third one just saying that we as scientists we are all normal people we are all normal people that just had the passion for that specific project we are not just smarter or better than anyone else we just like what we do and we do it with passion. So you can be a normal person, a normal girl, having your girlfriends around, go to parties and still making space for it. I think that I think that's a great message for people, and, and it's just a, and then that's why at the start of this we talked about how it makes uh, I I think you do a great job making it very relatable, and I I think that's important is is how do you make those roles and make that um, make sure that we're not systemically putting in barriers before things even start. So I, I think that's fantastic. Um, if uh, people want to follow you or follow what you're doing, is uh, do you have um, I know you have a website, a couple other things. Are, are there a couple of ways you that are yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So I have my website, which is biancacefalo.com. So it's exactly my first name, second name.com, where I have a couple of speaking engagements that I've done and all the pictures and all the events that I'm still doing. And also all my other socials, which is LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. So if they go on that one, they can find everything that they could possibly find to reach out to me on any 
platform that they prefer because maybe younger kids will prefer Instagram, professionals will prefer LinkedIn. So there is everything out there. And uh, if you want to just drop me a message to ask me, what do you think about you know, me getting into this kind of job or whatever, I could even ping you to the right people. I may not have the answers, but I may know people that can help you. Yeah, very cool. Well, thank you very much for that. And we'll make sure on the show notes that um, we have the links for those as well. So if, um, if people are, uh, are trying to get in touch with you then, uh, and follow your work, then, then we'll do that. Um, if you haven't already hit subscribe on the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to this or watching this on, make sure you hit subscribe because we do continue to have awesome guests every week. Um, and uh, um, I guess, first of all, thank you very much, Bianca. That was uh, great. And I know that it will make a big difference for a lot of people. So uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime because I, I think there were tons of things that uh, I would I would continue to ask as we go forward so hopefully we can do that again sometime <laughs> absolutely all right and we'll talk again to everybody else on uh, big idea big moves